Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, a.k.a. Obocrazy, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. This episode is sponsored by Polymorph Crafts. Visit polymorphcrafts.com to learn about their high-quality, compact, and affordable tabletop accessories. Distinguished adventurers last time on Dungeon Drunks. After delivering the corpses of the Howlers, they dispatch to the Watchful Order for examination. The party heads to see their druid friend, Seekin, who've requested their aid. He has received a message instructing him it's time to go visit his grandpa. But he knows the way is dangerous, and he is asked for help in his travels. The group agrees to leave the following morning after some final errands have been completed. Bernie takes her friends to the market district to look for a gemstone seller who might have the 500 gold piece diamond she needs in order to bring someone back from the dead. However, they discover that since the death curse has caused issues with resurrection, there was a run on those specific spell components. An edict from the government requires any of these diamonds to be sold directly to the major temples in town to avoid rampant price gouging and prevent the wealthy from controlling such a valuable resource. They also encounter a shady jewel merchant who is quick to convince them to leave when they find he might have hidden wares. Running low on time, our heroes set off to get the flail snail shells sold for a decent price. And thanks to a recommendation from Razo, they head to Galgon's armor, sell the the shells, go back to the Golden Rock Tavern, and meet Seekin to escort him wherever he needs to go. And that is where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm your DM Lauren, also known as Crazy. Tonight I have a fan recommendation. So a couple weeks ago, I finished the Bullet Bourbon, which I loved and was great, but I was out of things to drink, new things anyway. I don't have a ton of money. I don't have really any knowledge about bourbon. And our fans, as normal, came through when I put it out on Twitter saying, this is the last of the stuff that I have. So of the variety of things that was recommended, and I have them all written down, so it may take me a while, but I will get to most if not all of them, two different people recommended the same bourbon. EVA Pilot and Anti-Tectonic both said that Four Roses bourbon was excellent for the price. And that if I could spring for, there was like a, a special reserve, that that was really, really good. I could not spring for the special reserve, but I got myself some Four Roses. And I did the thing that I heard about, that I read about, which is you do a splash of water in it, and it is excellent. And it makes me happy. Jonathan. What are you drinking? Hey, this is Jonathan. I play Jonathan the Magic Muscular. Tonight, I have a Dusky and Overcast. It is uh, rum, light rum, and some ginger ale. It is quite good in the right proportions. And tonight's Shot of Fireball, to be consumed at the casting of Fireball or the equivalent spell thereof. Tonight goes to that Indian dude. Thank you so much for supporting us on Patreon. We are enabled to do many more things now because of your support. So this shot of fireball is for you. Thank you so much. And and for those wondering, I do ask when when people subscribe to our Patreon, become patrons of ours. I'm still not sure of what the nomenclature behind that is, but I do ask when you become a patron of ours, how you would like to be credited. And that Indian dude said that Indian dude. So cheers unto you. Carlton, what are you drinking? So yeah. My girlfriend always kind of hears what I'm saying, and our fridge has been stocked with weird sodas. And so she, she was out grocery shopping the other day. She's like, I saw this, and I had to get it for you. And it is Roar Electrolyte Effusions Cotton Candy Coconut Water. 
I see your faces. Those were all English words, and none of none of them they, made sense. They all are words, and I know what? all those words. And I saw your faces, and I had the exact fa- same face. And I said, but why? She's like, isn't weird the point? She's. I do like your girlfriend quite a lot, I will say that. All right. I do respect that she did this for you, but I'm a little oh, worried God, it now. Oh, so bad. Oh. Oh, it looks oh, like no. it tastes like bad Pepto-Bismol. Oh, God. It tastes like bad Pepto-Bismol. Oh, oh no. Why would it you is, do well, that to perfectly good coconut water? Why would you do that to perfectly pink. good Pepto-Bismol? Why would you do that to perfectly good cotton candy? We have so many questions. <laughs> it's 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 not good. We love your girlfriend. We hate her choice of dress. I, I love her too. There <laughs> but, we go. Uh, yes. It'll uh but yeah, she's she's like, I want to be the one to get you a weird drink. She loves you so much. In the Mission best of ways. Accomplished. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Bernie, what are you drinking? Tonight, I am drinking just commissariat Kitchisippi. It's good. It's in my fridge. This was... So this was... Um, I recently went to something. If you guys are listeners and you are museum professionals, I highly recommend uh, hashtag drinking about museums. There's probably a group that gets together in your city, and it's a really great way to meet other people in your field. And honestly, if... The economy's bad. Sometimes it's just a great way to commiserate that we are all underpaid and some of us are all unemployed. Uh, but um, recently, Kitchissippi Brewer sort, Brewery sort of helped sponsor one of the local Ottawa drinking about museums, which meant they were able to let us uh, legally take beer home because everybody had already presented an ID and up here all you have to be is over 19. So I was able to take some of my favorite beer by them home for free and... It's a bonus that it is literally named after the museum that I work in, which I think is, I will never stop thinking that is really cool. And on Absolutely. a like, professional note, I think it is awesome when museums get to partner. We have partnered with a local skateboarding company, and they have taken design inspirations from artifacts in our museums for like their deck designs. Like, I just think there is so much, like, this is one of the reasons why I love this profession. There's so much out there for you to get involved in and if you like museums at all please go visit one this weekend here here i totally agree and i have no transition sorry that was nope, not a soapbox no but it's a good soapbox and yeah. as someone who also works in the arts that uh every once in a while gets to work in the arts and where they they're selling alcohol because you know what as an adult you should be able to enjoy a drink and enjoy some mozart why not I I think that's fantastic because I think as adults we can trust people not to spill their beer and when they do, it's okay. I Travancore. love RNAC lets us take drinks in. <laughs> right? <laughs> what are you drinking, Travancore? Good people of Faerun. Travancore's choice this evening is Jacob's Creeks Moscato 2017. So apparently my family has settled into a routine where once a week we kind of go out and we make ourselves a fancy dinner at home. Uh, so last week it was uh, very good lamb chops, some dirty mashed potatoes, which are basically just the leftover lamb chop juice and marinade mixed into the mashed potato mix. And it was amazing. And then also, unfortunately, we had really good roast vegetables, but they they were slightly blackened. But the wine made up for it, and now I feel like every Monday I have leftover wine from fancy dinner night, and this is the one. So, uh, so cheers, Australia. Nice. Yeah, I think this is an excellent tradition. Not just because you get fancy wine to drink at D and D, but like I like the idea of like you know we're gonna actually make fancy dinner at home as a family. That's awesome. Do you Jeez, like you know, Moscato? Tra- is that like uh, you know what? 
I hate to admit it, but yeah, like um, don't hate to admit it. You like, like it? Well, well, yeah, like what you like, right? Like I'm not really like I, I don't mean I don't even hate to admit it. Like honestly, it's sweet, but then it gets tart, and that's right up my alley. And for those who say it's a girl wine, I'll say, show me a boy wine, and then I'll show you a men's rights activist. <laughs> I love you. My, uh... I, I was gonna tell you that Nicki Minaj, I think, has her own brand of Moscato that I would really want you to try if you could find it. Just my, uh, they sell cat wine, and my friend bought it for me, and cat it's called wine. Moscato. Of course. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, Is this wow. wine for? Cats? It's, wine for, it's like it's like cats a cat nip, people. like drink, but they call it like wine for cats. But it's like catnip infused beverage. Did you try? Oh, it? Okay. Did you drink it? So, and they, it's drink it? like branded as like Moscato. It's clever. Did you Jeez. drink some and then your dog started to growl at you? Me? No, I have the weird cotton candy coconut water. <laughs> no, I meant before. I meant some other time. Like, do you drink it and then come home and then your dog is like, nope. Oh it's, man, uh, you put it when you're drinking your glass of Moscato. You put a little bit up for your cat and she can have her Moscato. You know, please don't. No, please, listeners at home, do not feed your cats alcohol. <laughs> no, not Moscato, but like the actual brand Moscato. That is such a fun <laughs> idea for a spinoff. Um, basically, give us random stuff to drink and we'll drink it. Or in other words, the first ten minutes of every show we do. I think that's why we started the Patreon. Was literally, hey, give us money so that we can go buy fun alcohol. <laughs> I really think that's why we started, or or fun sodas or whatever. You know. Yeah. Buy us, oh, give us money to buy drinks so we can <laughs> yeah. entertain you people. We're Are you not entertained? Hey, I I saw a bottle of Omen 14. I did a whiskey flight right before we did uh, Escape Rooms this weekend. And the last one was an Omen 14, and it was fucking delicious. I don't do scotch very much anymore, but I would buy that $90 bottle of scotch because it was yeah. delicious. Oh, yeah. There was a Verve Clique in the uh, in the Lickbo the other day, and I was like, St- Verve Clico? Verve Clico, I think it is. I was just like, oh, I want it. I think at RTX, we basically just need to go as a run, uh, go as a group and, and make an alcohol run. <laughs> Look at us and putting like- off helping seek it as long as possible. <laughs> <laughs> No, don't read into this. No, don't read into it at all. No, that's no. not what's happening. But, but no, Seekin's seriously. fine. In character, if you want to do other things. But I will say, um, you guys have finished up your early morning uh, trip to go sell your flail snail shells, which makes me happy, not just because that's one more dangling plot thread from a, a previous adventure, but also now maybe I don't have to say flail snail shells anymore. They're difficult every time. But... We're talking about buying drinks, and here you are at 8 o'clock in the morning walking back into the Golden Rock Tavern. And there, as if just having walked in, is Seekin. He is standing in the middle of the empty bar area with all of the tables, still barefoot, still kind of in his clean linen pants and a shirt. He's got a backpack on his back. He is uh, standing there staring at... Gestock, the the barkeep, who is giving him a look like whatever Seekin just said was in some language he did not understand. And as you walk in, Seekin turns around and goes, oh, hi, were you somewhere else? I could have met you somewhere else if somewhere else made more sense. We had an unexpected errand come up. So we were somewhere else, but we're here now, and we're just gonna grab our bags, run upstairs real quick, and, uh, you know, we can get, we can skedaddle, we can get on the road. Okay, alright. Yeah. 
Uh, so you're going to run upstairs and grab what you need. I, I kind of assumed you left this morning with everything you need, but it, it'll take you all the 10 seconds to go up, pack your uh, your bags, your tra- your travel gear, any weapons, any armaments, uh, uh, catalog I'm going to go up to uh, our, the barkeep and uh, settle our tab. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, do that. I'll, I'll go uh, with them. While you're doing that... Uh, Bernie's going to hand you some money to do it for. Yeah. Well, you guys have all my money because it was... Like the share of the the flail snail shell sale was all literally all the money I have. Oh, and, and uh, hold on a second. So, uh, Jonathan the Magimuscular, while y'all are around, casts the uh, does the ritual while while you're while we're just talking to Seekin. He's gonna, Jonathan's going to excuse himself while that's happening and do the do the thing for uh, Rary's telepathic bond, and he is going to include Bernie, Travancore, Carlton. And, hmm, which animal? I'm only going to do one animal. I thought you were going to say Baron Von Kokosuit. Baron Von Kokosuit is in this conversation. Bucks and Shadow are not. Okay, so who is going up to Gestock to settle up? Myself and Carlton Tanks. Okay. The two of you walk on up and he pulls out a little calendar and does some calculations like, well, I know you you paid me for a couple of days in there. So, uh, but you've been here about a total of 13 days. It's usually about a, a, a gold a piece for the rooms, uh, but you'd already given me a bunch. So I'm going to I'm going to say it's probably I think you already covered about half of it. So I'm going to say you really only need to cover about seven of those days because you you. You gave me a bunch, Travancore, a while ago. Um, and you remember when Lady Passerac was coming to visit and there were payments that were made to make sure that rooms were held. So he says, <laughs> the, the, the five of you over those seven days, uh, 30 gold. Five of us? Well, on your animals. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. They count uh, what, you think they don't count the bear? Yeah. The bear is like three people, but I only count him and the dog and the... You know. That's fine. Yeah. I'm not good at math. It's reasonable. I, I pony up 30 gold. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Assuming you accepted the uh, terms of service, uh, the terms of service for the Rarius telepathic bond, uh, there is some there is some fine print, but you just scroll on down to hit install. <laughs> um, Jonathan the Magimuscular will say to Carlton, "Hey, when you figure out when we divvy this up, go and uh, t- keep the hundred gold that you loaned me for identify." Got it, bud. All right, you settle up with Gestock, who seems a little sad to see you go. He says, all right, well, uh, you're, how long are you going to be gone? I'd love to have you back. Uh, having you guys around seems to brighten the place up. The the, the foosball is always good. Uh, you, you, you seem to attract it. And hey, you know, you killed a bunch of howlers in my basement. So I kind of like that. We like it here, buddy. And don't forget the narrative of that story. We killed the Howlers. Not some hippopotamin, not some intergalactic, interdimensional fuckers or whatever they were, because I, I don't know. But no, us. So hearing Jonathan in my head, because Jonathan's not actually next to Gestock, Travancore goes at, out of his way to repeat, remember, you know, those those hippomen were kind of useless, mostly for show. Wait, no, I said that. No, yeah, but you weren't. You're not you were there. You're upstairs with me getting the stuff. Okay, when I. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so I say I it on your I, behalf. Okay, cool. That's fine. You seem disappointed. <laughs> well, I don't know. I thought, like you said, it would take 10 seconds to run up to my room and run back. Well, I didn't know if you were back or not, so. Oh, yeah. Anyway, it's. I, 
I love the idea of up there, like Travancore, you're filling him in on what's going on. Jonathan makes this call down to to Carlton and then like soapboxes Travancore about something he already knows. And then Travancore gets to be the more diplomatic one to Gestock. I kind of like that. I like that so much better. (laughs) This is literally my job. I'm an ambassador. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you're incredibly good at it. My job is to say is to say whatever y'all assholes are saying, but say it more probably. That doesn't get a shot. It's a full-time job. <laughs> Gestock will nod at your Travancore and say, hey, listen, they didn't pay for any rooms you did. It's fair. Yeah. I don't even know Tell if you take Tell them that we hate those guys. Those guys stink. Did they? I was too busy smelling the owlers. The owlers stank even more. Oh, figuratively. I mean, maybe literally that was the case. I, I didn't want to get close enough to one of those dudes, but ah, he was so insufferable. But uh, but yeah, we hopefully, I mean, we may be back in a couple of days, but you know how it is with us, us, us types. I don't know what your favorite term for us is. God pawns, fate changers, whatever it is, or just friends. Just call us friends. Yeah, at this point, you kind of saved my life. I think I think I could call you friends. Aw. Yeah, so it might be a couple of days, might be a little while, but I, 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 I'd be surprised if our paths didn't cross again. Well, it sounds good. When you get back into Waterdeep from wherever you're going, uh, let me know. I'll probably have all the stuff from that that uh, bard thing downstairs all sorted out. And you, I know your friend. Oh, hey, Jonathan, uh, as you guys come downstairs with all of your stuff. And he says, yeah, I know you wanted to search through that. I'll probably have it all sorted out. And you can, you know, look at whatever you want. If you like puffy shirts, there's a lot of puffy shirts. Uh, as long as they're sleeveless. They can be. I will take a puffy shirt before I go. <laughs> yeah, sure. Hold on a second. And he goes and runs downstairs. <laughs> Help yourself to the puffy shirt pile. Just keeping that pirate window open just in case. <laughs> as you Pirates guys are in this year. <laughs> gear up. He comes this back yar. upstairs. <laughs> he comes back upstairs with two puffy shirts, one in blue and one in red. And he says, yeah, I don't really have like size preferences or anything, but I got colors. You want a color? And they both look a little big for you, but like better big than small. I'll take a red, the red one. Ah, here you go. He throws you the red one. And you know, what? I'll take the blue one as well, because like Jonathan can always cut the sleeves off and do the whole Joy Lawrence thing. Sure. Why not? I got like a dozen of them and he throws you both colors. Whoa. All right, yeah, you guys head on over to Seekin, who kind of, he's been standing there watching this uh, awkwardly, I guess, whether it's awkward because he doesn't know Gestock or awkward because he's Seekin, you're not sure, but he kind of makes it a point as you all walk on over, you got your animal companions, everything, he kind of makes eye contact with everybody and he says, okay, we are, are, we're ready to go? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And he reaches into his backpack and he pulls out the piece of bark and that long piece of wood that he had been holding the other day, the piece of bark that had some of the writing on it that he was looking at, that he kind of assumed was a letter, and this longer piece of wood, and he ho- grips the middle of this wood and holds it out and looks up at you and says, All right, here we go. Wait, 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 hold on. And Before then there's a flash of light. I would like to save my progress. I would like to save my progress. <laughs> um, hey, Jonathan. And- can you message nope. Gestock about the horses? Nope. You're no longer there. Well, cat There's sending. F- yeah, <laughs> we got we we got we got ways. There's a flash of light and then darkness. And most of you recognize this sensation as teleportation, but something is off. It's not true teleportation. 
And while most of the, the teleports that you've taken in the past, and there hasn't been many, but there's been a couple, it's a second or two, maybe three, like when you went to Chult. That seemed like a long time. This is like seven seconds, 10 seconds, 15 seconds. And just as you're starting to wonder, like, did you just die? Did something happen? Your stomach flips and all of a sudden you're back to a reality. You can see again. Oh, you can hear again. Your gravity. friends are around you. Yeah, you are. But you're not the Golden <laughs> oh, God, Rock Tavern anymore. Right. Oh, oh. In fact, oh. you're not even inside anymore. And you look around and you're on a street in a city that you don't recognize. It is fantastical. There are towering buildings round with a door at the bottom, but then they go up for four or five stories before you see windows. They're as big as redwood trees, interspersed with actual trees that rise up into the sky. The buildings themselves are a riot of colors, mostly in bright autumn colors, like the most vibrant leaf changes you could imagine. And the trees themselves, while many of them green, are also in fall colors. Golden light streams in from the side along a cobblestone street, and it smells like perpetual cut grass with a spice over it that none of you really recognize. And then you notice the people. Because you are in a city, but there are no humans here. They are all tall, stately-looking elves with extra-long pointed ears and outfits in primary riotous colors with hair that mirrors the autumn colors around you. As they walk by, they give you curious looks, questioning looks, haughty looks, but they kind of ignore you a little bit and you reel a, a moment as, as you kind of have to get your balance in wherever you are. And Seekin takes the, the bar that he had been holding and the, the piece of bark and puts it back into his, his pack and says, Okay, now we just have to find the grove. Whoa! whoa. Wait! Are I mean, we don't get me wrong. I'm <laughs> elated to be here. Wink. But um, where are we? Whoville. This is Whoville. I had a book about this place as a kid. All of these people are supposed to be all lot smaller. John, the actual player, loves this place. You had a a, a book about about Mithrendian. I I I didn't know that most people knew knew about that place. Dahu Doris Fahu Fores, right? Yeah. No, this, this is mostly going to be a ladrin. Uh, do you guys know what a ladrin are? And he looks over at Travancore and he's like, do you? You should. You probably, right? Um, that all sounds vaguely familiar. Should I roll a history check or something to see if I know it? Or is it just something that I know or don't know? I would love you to roll a history check. I love it. All right. I would. L- Can Jonathan the Magic Muscular? In this case, no. Is the Lorax here? In a moment, you can, yeah. but for this specific thing, no. So, hey, Travis Corey knows a little bit. He knows exactly 40%. You could swear that this was the term, when you were getting histories from as letters from your, your family and from your the people back home, um, and when you were learning back home, you think this is 
Aladrin, that's the term that was used for the first elves that came to this world, or wherever world you were, where Perkonum is. Like, the humans and the elves, they weren't, they called themselves something else, and you think this is what they called themselves. Eladrin? But you don't quite know, like, is it, it might just be a different term for elves. Yeah, I share as much with the group. So, this is not, this, this is not Whoville. No, I'm afraid not. I've never been to Whoville. Uh, is that on another plane of existence? This is this is the Feywild. Oh. 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 Well, I. Okay. Will... So um, there might be a Lorax here after all. Maybe I've never encountered one, but I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. And and Seekin kind of glances about, and he says, "I I I was glad that we were able to transport from from uh, Waterdeep because I knew then we'd end up here, and it's probably a little safer here than it would be in the woods. But we eventually have to get to to my grandpa's grove, which I know is outside of yep. the city, and it's dangerous. This place is that's why I said it was dangerous. I hope- okay, let's make yeah. a move. Uh, sh- when lead the way. you said, you know, Seekin, it's funny when you said outside the city." <laughs> I kind of thought you meant outside of Waterdeep, which actually technically you did, because we are technically outside of Waterdeep. And now, Jonathan the Magimuscular transmits very loudly over the the group chat, if we're in a city of elves, we forgot the fucking sword. No, I thought we took it back from... No, we left it. It's at the... uh, It's at the Watchful Order. It's at the Slamdance Cosmopolis, yes. I and Seekin looks at all of you with bright, wide, innocent eyes and said, well, I just said it was outside the city and you guys didn't ask any other questions, so I thought it'd be okay. Oh, <coughs> That's on us for not asking. Were made. Lead, lead the way. <laughs> let's, uh, let's get this done. We are technically outside the city. Uh, assumptions were made, Mage Armor. And it's at this point that you notice that the Eladrin that are walking by are continuing to, to stare at you. Uh, some of them are doing a f- better job of being prepared you know having a propriety about it and like side-eyeing you and some of you some of them are just openly gawking especially carlton and bernie who are standing out quite a bit from the norm and it's not necessarily hostile it's snobby curious like bernie this they are staring at us and i feel i am to blame the smell you are about to smell has come from me (laughs) (laughs) I how, you hold, had, how, how you holding up? I uh, had the dairy this morning. The Baron Funk. Oh, oh okay. Yeesh. And Seekin's like looking at all of you as you communicate through your heads to each other because he hasn't been invited on this call. Oh, and he's oh, like, no. <laughs> he never uh, uh, are you guys okay? You're all just staring at each other. Sorry. It's yeah. a little yeah. disor- this is weird. It's, it's a little disorienting to be uh, to be transported the way that we were. We apologize. We're not used to it. Um, let's let's not look the lady further. Let's let's head to this grove. Okay. Yeah, I give a I give a little whistle and call Blue to see if he made it. Oh yeah, he's in the basket. All right, good. Oof. Uh, you seem to remember that Seekin made eye contact with Blue as well. It seemed very important at the time. Good. Um, and then Seekin looks at you all now and says, "Okay, well, I I know his grove is outside the city, uh, but we may have to ask around for some directions. I don't know exactly where." Um, okay. okay. I mean, there are several people that seem incredibly interested in talking to us. Yeah. Uh, so why don't we just stop one of them and uh, maybe charge them for looking? And she's going to start pointedly like. <laughs> okay. Uh, Seekin will say, okay, uh, well, um, so when you ask, 
Uh, go ahead, and I'm 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 looking for uh the the grove of Ekthiarn. If you can find him, that'd be great. Ekthiarn. Ekthiarn. And Bernie wants to catch the eye of whoever is uh staring at her the most unabashedly. Okay. The next person to come walking by, uh, a tall elven, well, a ladron, I guess you would know now, a man in, um, his skin is almost golden with bright gold hair. He looks pissed. And he doesn't look pissed at you. He's marching down the street pissed. And then he locks, and then he, like, sees your group and locks eyes with you, and then seems to intentionally avert his gaze and try to keep walking. Excuse Do you want to engage me. with him? Excuse me, sir. Hi, hello. Yes, I I noticed. I I got you looking. Uh, you have a moment, a minute, hot second for us. He uh, immediately starts talking to you in rapid Elven. Those of you who understand Elven, I know. Yeah, Travancore, Jonathan. Do you? Uh, Draconic. Let me see if I. I don't think I packed uh comprehend languages. And I'm pretty sure Carlton is a no on the Elven. Okay. Different script. I, that's why I took okay. It's okay. It's easier to learn. Bernie's going to look at him and go, Oh, oh, bonjour, comment ça va? That is not Elvish. Bonjour, no? All right. Well, Jonathan, as you look that up, if you if you do speak Elven, you'll understand this. But Travancore, what you get out of this gentleman. It's very rapid. <laughs> that's every Elvish. language of God. Hmm. He looks down at Bernie and. And in very rapid <laughs> Elvish, he says, You do not want to be in my way today. This is not the day to bother me. I am not interested in anything you have to say. I'm not interested in anything you have to do. And unless you would like to see consequences of getting in my way, then I would suggest that you and your dog move right now. And he starts to try to move around her. Let him go. He's not the guy to ask. Okay. And he marches down the street. Uh, all right. Now that I know, well, it's, it makes sense. People would speak Elvish. I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and like flag somebody that the person looks like both curious and the most friendly. I mean, there's not a lot of friendly faces, but I want to try and like leverage that that Travancore charm. Okay, since you are trying to pick a friendly face out of the crowd, I'll, I'll let you roll an investigation check. Ooh, Detective Travancore investigates. Five. Okay. Dice jail. Ye- <laughs> The next person that you see seems to be a, a mother and her child. The two of them are in very nice earth tones. Can't read anything on either of their faces, but you assume, oh, this is a mother and and a child. There's no way I'm going to get uh, cussed out from, from this pair. I mean, sure. Can't wait for the little girl to cuss you out. So sorry to bother you, ma'am. We're trying to find the groove of Ekthorn. If you just tell us if you know where it is, we'll be happy to be on our way. Uh, I don't know what that is. You're looking for a, a what? Uh, the Grove of Ekthorn, or at least the way out of the town. That might be a good way to start. Oh, they, they go in any direction. There's no walls. This is Mithrendian. We don't... And she kind of looks over the rest of you and says, Oh, you're with people who can't misty step. Oh, I under- I'm so sorry. No, there, just leave. Just walk uh, to the edge of the town and you can just leave. There are no walls. And she looks really confused. Oh, so you've never heard of the Grove of Ekthorn or any kind of grove that's outside the town? There are- the whole town is surrounded by woods and creatures, and be careful. That That is- nothing outside of Mithrendian is safe. And the little girl pulls on her, her, her dress and says, in Elvish, Mama, you said that not even the town was safe right now. And she goes, shh, no, it's fine, it's fine. 
The town oh. is fine. I don't oh. suppose you know anyone who looks like uh, my friend here, and I point to Seekin. Well, no, the uh, most of the people who look like any of you are are not here. They they go to the old battery. There's a, a, an inn there. Most most try to go there to stay with their own kind. So you're in the main part of the city. Did you did you not get any information when you entered? Nope. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, you're gonna want to go to the old battery. Go go find the way stop. That's that's where you're gonna find more than just a ladron, and maybe they'll understand exactly what you're asking about. Understood. Uh, good day. And she she looks weirdly concerned. And then kind of good days you and ushers her kid off. Bernie's going to wave at the kid. She's going to be like, uh, the kid is too busy looking at Shadow, actually. <laughs> yeah. Everybody wants Good to wide eyed, like, oh, <gasps> armored bear. Did uh, did Jonathan the Magimuscular pick up in, on any of that concern that that, that uh, woman had for us? Any did of you that? find out? Do you speak Elvish? Oh, oh, so no. So I guess I wouldn't have. Uh, I mean, you could tell that at least it was a a decent conversation. She was she didn't seem she looked concerned by something. Uh, that that was much was obvious, but without context, it's hard to tell. Okay, okay. so it sounds like the old battery might be our our best bet. So we want to make our way there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we should do that. So what did uh what did uh, Chicky Doo and Little Chicky Doo have to, have to say? Um, it I get the feeling that the Ellen. The uh, the Eladrin aren't that. Ah, uh, how how do I put this delicately? The snobbery tastes like snobbery. <laughs> They're not particularly interested. To, well, I I got the feeling that outside the town is not. I mean, not the feeling. They she told me explicitly that the outside the town is not safe. Apparently, even inside the town might be at risk, but I could not tell from what. Although. If I were the kind of person to conflate conversations I had with other people, then maybe it has to do with what that uh, that golden god was <laughs> of an elf was mad about. Um, Seekin. Huh? Why would we be in danger in the town? I don't know. I've never been here before. Seekin. Yeah? <sighs> Have you ever been to your granddad's house before, Seekin? No, so like once once a generation he summons someone from my family and it's just my turn, so that's um, why I had to come. Okay, okay. And did he give you the little the little spell that got us here? Yeah, it just it, it showed up in the mail and I, I I mean I mean it showed up in my greenhouse, so I don't know exactly how it got there. I thought the mailman just dropped it off, but that was the instructions and the and the thing so that we could plane shift. So, and, and and my parents had said that it might happen, it might have happened to me, it might happen to, to someone else in my family, but they, they'd always warn me that maybe, like, that somebody in, in, in my generation would get asked to go, and that when it happened, it was just somebody had to go and see Grandpa Ekthiarn and, and go present themselves, and, you know, it's, it was a family thing. I, I, I want to do whatever the, the family's supposed to do. I, gotta, I have to go and make sure that Grandpa's happy with us. Seeking. Yeah. Shadow might be able to track your, your grandfather using that keen smell of his. Okay. So what does he smell me, like? Well, that's the thing. Like, he'll smell, he might be able to smell it on whatever, like, parchment or spell or whatever it is. And based on that, like, Shadow might be able to to pinpoint that place and lock into that smell. It's not a guarantee, but it's, it's a, other than the old battery, it's the best shot we have. Okay. 
All and right. he pulls back out the, the the piece of bark and the what you now know to be um, whatever he used to to teleport you to plane shift you. And if you want to have, he'll hold it down for Shadow to to take a good sniff. And go ahead and give me. I guess it would be an investigation check because he's trying to pick up a scent, right? Right, right. That would be like a perception because that's what keen smell usually is. But I guess that's hmm. He's trying to pick it up. Go ahead and I'll let it be a perception check because, yeah, it would make sense and he would have advantage. So go ahead and, and do a perception check. While he's doing that, Jonathan Matt's muscular ass seeking, hey, so that doodad can take us back, right? Travancore, what did uh, Shadow get? 19. Okay. Finally, a good roll. Shadow practically slobbers all over these two things and then sniffs around and doesn't seem to pick up a scent. But... He he looks kind of confused when he's smelling these objects, like he's not picking up a scent from the objects. So it's not that he's picked up a scent and he can't find it where you are. It's that he's all he smells, all he seems to smell is familiar scents. Oh, uh, this thing's been Febreze. It's, it's no good. Jonathan, you asked Seekin uh, that question. Uh, what was the question again? I'm sorry. Let me make sure. I- this thing can get us back, right? Uh, Grandpa Ektheron? Yeah, I mean, he's he's the one, he's super powerful. He's he's like thousands of years old and stuff. He should be able to get you, get us all home. I mean, why would he ask me to come here? Everybody else from my family who's had to go, they, they come back. Seems like we must proceed in the grandpa-worderly direction. So where is the the, the grandpa? Where we don't know. Be? I suggest don't we go know. to the old battery and ask around. Yeah, yeah that's probably we, our best yeah, bet. Yeah, you can go to the old battery. Travancore, when you were talking to the woman and she mentioned the old battery, she did point in a direction. So you at least have a direction to go. Well, we're going to go that way. (laughs) We want to thank Polymorph Crafts for sponsoring this episode. Polymorph Crafts offer stylish and affordable ways to carry everything you need to a game day and stay organized at the table. Mimic chests, hero vaults, and tankers offer a variety of ways to bring a dice tower, rolling tray, dice and pen vaults, card stands, coasters, and carrying space to all your games. So check out polymorphcrafts.com and follow them on Twitter and Instagram at polymorphcrafts. That's polymorphcrafts.com. We here at Dungeon Drunks are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's an official free-to-play Dungeons & Dragons-based clicker game that you can download right now on Steam. Play with some of the Forgotten Realms' most iconic heroes, like Minsk, Boo, and Dritzt. Characters from Force Grey, like Arkin the Cruel. And even Strix from Dice Camera Action. I usually have the game running in the background while I edit audio for this podcast, and it's always exciting to open chests to see what new gear my champions have. Speaking of chests, thanks to the fine folks who make Idle Champions, we're fortunate enough to be able to offer a free gold chest to all of our listeners. Now this code expires on June 10th, 2018 at 9pm Pacific, so you only have a week to redeem once this episode is posted. Open up your game, go to the shop, and type in this code. D-I-V-I-B-R-R-R-B-I-T-O-N-O-W-S. So use that code, and then let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops, back to the show. 
All right. The streets in this town don't seem to follow normal paths. You're used to either winding streets that try to stay straight but are on a hill or something like Waterdeep, which is relatively grid-based. This seems to follow circles. And it takes you a little while to kind of get used to it. It's all spirals and circles. There's no dead ends in this town. Everything seems to connect to everything else. And so you want to go that way. If you want to go east, you kind of end up sometimes going north, northwest, south, and then south, southeast, north. And then, like you're doing these weird S patterns to try to go in a direction. It leads you through a bunch of different areas of town. All the buildings here are nothing like you're ever familiar with the there are shops that you come across but there's there doesn't seem to be a market just every once in a while you see a door that's on the first floor of a building that's left open that has a sign out front and all the rest of the buildings they have terraces and windows and and doors up high but nothing really on the the ground floor especially windows and as you wind your way through i'd like everybody to give me perception checks I am in all of the place that I am at. <laughs> all right, Jonathan? 16. And Carlton? 10. And Bernie? Natural 20. Oh, oh my nice. Hey, nice. <laughs> and Travancore? 24. Excellent. Yeah, Carlton, this place is awe-inspiring. It is alien and beautiful and a, a little... You know how something is beautiful, but so strange that you're almost a little scared by it? Like, you've got all these different emotions going through through your mind, and it's, it's, it's so alien that you can't help being impressed. Jonathan and Travancore, you've got these same feelings, but you're being aware enough about your surroundings to notice a buzzing noise. Like a really persistent buzzing noise. Bernie, with your natural 20... You hear the buzzing noise coming towards you, and you hear people screaming. Guys, And you have guys, a moment. Guys, um, there is a thing, a bug, probably a bug. It's buzzing. It's coming to get us, I think. Uh, now would be the best time for weapons and magical things that we do. Oh, my God. I and... So you warn everybody in and, and uh, everybody kind of takes a moment and, and gears up. And then from around one of these these curving streets that you've now heard this coming, but you hadn't seen until they were just within like 40 feet of you, is a giant swarm of insects. It actually looks like two separate swarms bobbing and weaving, uh, flying through the air in a prismatic craziness of colors. They look like beetles, but with rainbow-colored shells like an oil slick that just reflects the light that's that's coming in from the, the setting sun. And as they swoop towards you, the Aladrin that are in their way disappear some of them screaming some of them angry all of them disappearing out of sight uh most of you catch that they seem to be uh, especially jonathan you and you would know misty step you don't know it but you know the spell you see that most of them don't go away they go up and suddenly those terraces on the second and third floor of a lot of these these buildings make a lot more sense as this swarm comes directly towards you and we can all roll initiative bernie that's an 11. And Travancore? 14. And Carlton? I was so awestruck by this place, I rolled a 7. 
Okay. Uh, Shadow? Shadow the Fireboar rolled a three, but it is a natural one. Oh, poor Shadow. Jonathan? Uh, Jonathan the Magimuscular rolled a soft 20. Nice. What did Bucks get? Uh, 14. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Descending. Jonathan, you get to go first. You see uh, what look like two swarms, giant swarms of tiny insects streaking towards you. Um, there are a couple of Eladrin between you and these things that are very quickly getting out of the way, but none of them are like in the swarms. Okay. Uh, how far away are they? Uh, about 40, 45 feet, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 30. Yeah. One of them is about 40 feet. One of them is about 45, 50 feet. Right. Well, I think Jonathan the Magic Muscular is well aware that casting fireball in a forest might be frowned upon. So. Are you now? Are you? How'd you learn that lesson, Jonathan? Is he aware of that? He did learn this the hard way uh, on the long roads. I would say that this is character development. All right. All right, I'm just going to cast Watery Sphere on the closest swarm. Okay, the closest swarm. What is the saving throw they have to make? Uh, strength DC 17. Okay. Uh, so they roll a negative one. So tell me exactly what Watery Sphere does again. Okay. I conjure a sphere of water with a five-foot radius. Oh, five-foot radius. Oh, my bad. Uh, I can't quite get both of them. That's fine. Uh, no, so you can get the one. Damn it. Fuck. On a successful save, it's ejected. Uh, huger, larger, already succeeds. On a fail save, a creature is restrained by the sphere and is engulfed by the water. On each of its turns, restrained target can repeat the saving throw, ending the effect on itself on the on a success. And then I can move it as a bonus action. Okay, you cast this thing, and it engulfs a fair amount of this swarm. But the beetles, uh, most of the beetles that are in this thing, swim out fairly easily and it doesn't seem that you can restrain this swarm okay but you've cast it and it's there was there anything else you wanted to do uh i guess i'll move back with shadow all right you move back it is the swarm's turns their speed is only 20 feet so they actually can't get up to you 5 10 15 20 but they angrily um you can see that they're beetles but there's so many of them and their wings are flapping so fast that it almost sounds like bees and then but it's not i need everybody to make a d uh wisdom saving throw please i have bonuses on that um my favorite cloak is gonna go off okay so jonathan 18 all right that's a success carlton uh i'm wise to the tune of a 14 uh, that's a success. Bernie? 26. That's a success. Cocos Newt? Oh, crap. I kind of need him to make this check. All right, while you look that up, Travancore? 22. That's a success. And Shadow? 22. And success and Bucks? Oh. Y'all gotta roll for your animals, guys. Uh, well, a lot of the time I don't ask, so in 20. fairness with Cocos Newt. Okay, that's a success. That's a 12. Okay. Uh, Bernie? As this swarm gets closer and the sun glints off of these beetles, casting a riot of color everywhere, and it, it kind of disco balls into all of your faces. And most of you are able to, like, shield your eyes a little bit and shake it off. Coco Snoot is completely dazzled. And then you hear him whinny a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. He's blinded until the end <gasps> of his next turn. So not permanently, 
but that means you probably can't move unless you get off of Coco's Newt. That being said, it's Bucks' turn. What would he like to do? Uh, he is going to run and cover our rear. So he's going he's gonna to fly as much as he can the other way. Well, as much as he can is a super long way. And then uh, go ahead and roll a perception check. 13. All he sees are a ladron running in a variety of directions, but nothing coming your way and nothing that seems to be in the, nothing that seems to be attacking you. Uh, Travancore. All right, we're going to play all of our favorites. Sharpshooter, hottest mark. Oh, the one that's <laughs> closer by. Sure. And uh, Isselgall, since I'm using the sharpshooter feet, I take a five penalty, but my, my bonus of this is still pretty good. And they're, and they're beetles, so will a 23 hit? 23 will definitely hit. Oh, fantastic. And I'm going to add 10 to that damage now. Let's see. Oh, 23 damage, plus the hunter's mark that's going to be four, so 27 total. 27. Okay. Sorry, math. Your arrow flies through this swarm, and you could swear it like shish kebabs a bunch of beetles and comes out the other side. Doesn't catch as many as you would like. Hmm. Does do damage, though. You find there are fewer beetles in this swarm than there was when you first shot into it. Well, that's progress. All right. Travancore is going to move directly behind Shadow. All right. You duck on back. And they're still marked, so at least there's that. There is. Bernie, it's your turn. You are okay, but uh, Koku Snoot, you hear him whining, and he's like rubbing his eye with his paw, and he is blinded. Bernie, uh, I've been trying to decide how irrationally angry Bernie is. And okay. I think it's very, like, I had two plans for how this was going to go. <laughs> and neither of them included Cocos Newt getting blinded? Uh, yeah, and now I've realized I have the spell I've been wanting to use. And you can do anything you like. Everybody's moved back so they're not going to get hit by it. And Bernie is very angry because you've hurt her dog. And so she has decided she will cast Insect Plague. You're going to cast Insect Plague on the insects. I like Let it. Let them fight. I am sending <laughs> in the bees. All right. Are they the bees in these? The, the northernmost swarm. Okay. That's where they are so it doesn't hurt any of us. Sure, I... give, me, give me the lowdown on Insect Swarm since this is the new spell insect for you. Insect Plague. Uh, plague, Concentration sorry. has a range of 300 feet, so I can stick this fucking thing wherever I want. Yeah. Holy shit. It says swarming, biting locusts, but we all know whose divine magic made this. These are bees. I'm totally happy to flavor them as bees. A fill a 20-foot radius sphere centered on a point you choose. Okay. (laughs) So you're actually going to get both of them. Yes. Yes. I told you Bernie is irrationally angry in a very scary way. So each creature in it must, the sphere's area is difficult terrain. Okay. When the area appears, each creature must make a constitution saving throw. A creature takes 4d10 piercing damage on a failed throw or half as much on a successful one. They must okay. also make this saving throw when it enters the spe- spell's area for the first time or ends it t- its turn there. So they actually have to resave, I think, every time. All right, so let me make the constitution saving throws. So for the further away one, that's a 12, which probably doesn't do anything <laughs> and the next one is a four okay so go ahead uh roll one damage for both swarms just to make life easy they take 24 damage what kind of damage is it piercing okay yeah they both take damage um why don't you go ahead and describe the fight between your bees and these beetles i feel like 
Bernie just like hears her dog and she gets off Coco's and she's like, Mom's got it. And like it is just like comes out of her chest. Like I like the idea that like you normally just makes things appear, but this one is like anger, like incarnate, and it is like a different humming. Like you guys heard like the beetle hum and like the bee hum is the different hum. And you smell a smell because when bees are angry, um I can't remember if it's pineapples or bananas. I don't remember either, but I know exactly what you're talking about. They they let off a pheromone to alert the rest of the hive. Yeah. And yeah, it's 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 pungent, but it's it's like a sweet smell, right? Yeah. I've read about this. You smell like a fruit smell. And you ah, but no, no, it's bad, bad smell, bad smell, bad times. And so like they are surrounding them and they are angry and they are these like Instead of, like, having the weird spectral glow that everything else has, like, you guys have seen the spirit guardians and the spiritual weapon, and you've seen, you've seen Miss Tina, you've seen, you've seen the, like, the actual, like, guardian of faith. These are real, real bees. These are real. These are real bees. It's, there is an aerial battle, the likes of which none of you have ever seen before uh, going on. Bernie, they're not doing quite as much damage as you would like, but they are doing damage. Anything else? Could I use my bonus action to cast spiritual weapon? Yeah, sure. That's what it's for. Yeah. Um, she's going to send in a fly swatter. Okay. Uh, against the northern one or the southern one? Uh, which one did Travancore do more damage to? Uh, that would be the southern one, I believe, was the one that he attacked. Against the southern one. Let's the, focus the one that he fire. Yeah. Okay. Uh, go ahead and roll your attack. That's a that's a sixteen, is that hit? That does it. Go ahead and roll All damage. Right. Now we have to regular spiritual weapon is And that's force damage, right? Spiritual weapon is usually force damage. One D eight plus smell casting ability modifier. Seven. Seven damage. Alright. This it seems to take the full brunt of your spiritual weapon. The the stinging and the, the piercing doesn't seem to affect these beetles nearly as much, but the force damage, um, that seems to carve or or it's a fly swatter, so that seems to get a bunch of them. Makes that nice like Yeah. At the end of your turn, since you and Coco Snoot share a turn, uh Coco Snoot finally seems to get his vision back. Carlton, it's your turn. Yes. I'm um, gonna run up here to be in flanking with the spiritual weapon. You need to be careful because uh, the insect plague does not discriminate. Because she put it back enough that you guys yeah. uh, were not affected by it, but it would encompass them. So you can't get into flanking without being in. Fine. Yeah, but you can be in front in. of the one. You can halberd in. You can. Or you can be next to it without uh, to the north, but you can't be to the other kind Did we directions. determine that since my reach is 10 foot, even if I'm not 5 foot, 5 foot, that that's still flanking or no? That is not flanking. You have to be okay. next five foot, to it. 5 foot, 5 foot? Yeah. Okay. Well, seeing the bug cloud, I'm like, all right, well, I don't want to go up in that. I'm still pretty angry about Bernie that. says, watch out for the bees. Yeah, I, I don't know about the allergy or not, so I don't want to risk it. But <laughs> I'm not happy about what's going on here. Like, nobody's taking care of my horses. I'm in a new place, I'm in awe, and then there's bugs, and I don't like them, and Coco, uh, Coco's all like, ah, I can't see, so I'm going to rage. And then I'm going to protect my little b- Bernie buddy here, uh, and I'm going to start swinging at the uh, swarm that's closest, the southern swarm. The one that's been taking all this damage. Yeah, 14. That hits, and I do need it separated. I rolled a one, and then I rolled another one. Alright, so the necrotic will be three. Okay. Uh, and then eight slashing. Okay. 
Uh, this swarm... That is magical. Yes. It seems like the necrotic does a lot more damage than the slashing, despite it being magical. But you do do some damage, and this swarm, this front swarm, has taken a ton of damage. You can see there are very few beetles that seem to be whole and hail left in this. Anything else? Yep. Uh, I got two attacks. That's what I thought. Uh, 23 to hit. That definitely hits. Do more than oh, one point of damage. 19 on the die, which as a champion, I now get count that as a critical. I have... So everybody drink. I will definitely drink to that. Go ahead and roll damage. All right. Uh, so uh, the first one is... So I'm going to do these... All, I'm going to do my crits all separate just to make the math easier. Because there's a lot of resistances, right? I just need the uh, the necrotic to be separate. Everything else can be the same. So that will be a total of four uh, necrotic. Okay. Because I rolled like garbage. 19 slashing. Excellent. Um, you slash through and the necrotic damage alone just withers these last few beetles and the swarm falls to the ground. Any beetles that are left flee and it is destroyed. I use the my movement to get like right on the edge of the swarm and I'm like just sticking my halberd in like through the the bees. <laughs> like ah, there's some bad bugs in here somewhere. So many bees. Uh shadow. Alright, Shadow is seeing Carlton up in front of the well, realizing that Jonathan and Carl Crab and Core right there. He's actually gonna stay put, but he's gonna ready a bite in case the bees make it to him. The the beetles, you mean? Beetles, yes, I'm sorry. Be Excellent. Be bees good, beetles bad. Got it. Have my chart now. Jonathan, it's your turn, and I will say, having cast the watery sphere and seen the force damage that was done, you suspect that um the type of damage is very important to these swarms. Alright, well, in that case, uh it's gonna be magic missile. Excellent. Go ahead and roll damage as your darts come out. Uh, I'm going to cast it at second level, sure. So we're going to have an extra dart. All right, let's see. All right, so two, four, uh, 16 uh, force damage total. Nice. Yeah, unlike a lot of the other damage, unlike trying to restrain it with the watery sphere, uh, your darts, like each magic missile that goes into this swarm takes out like... 20 beetles. It's amazing. Beetles are dropping like flies. The swarm is still there, but it's gone from a thick, angry swarm to a anemic swarm that looks like there's not much left to it. You've done a ton of damage to this thing. Anything else? Nope. Uh, and I'm going to drop uh, Concentration Water Sphere because it's useless. In this case, sadly... As it goes away, it is the beetle's turn who are... It makes the save at the beginning or the end of its turn for the bees. For the bees. For the bees. End of its turn. End of its turn. Okay. Whether or not they're intelligent enough to get out of the bees, they're intelligent enough to go after Carlton. Carlton, a giant Blah. a swarm of beetles envelops you with whatever beetles they've got left. And they are going to try to bite you. It's going to be a 27. The guess. <laughs> okay. Six piercing damage. All right. Which I'm raging. And so then. Have... Wow. That rolled like crap. Three, four, five, six. Uh, seven poison damage. And I need you Oof. to make a constitution saving throw. All right. Minus seven poison. I take the brunt of that. But fortunately, I am very. I've got an iron stomach and an iron will. Yeah. And. I roll a 25. Excellent. Uh, as several of these beetles latch onto you and dig their pincers into your skin, you feel for a moment like 
elated and euphoric and you lose concentration for the briefest of seconds and, and then you kind of shake it off and you're like, nope, nope, I'm fighting shit. I'm fighting shit. It's Bucks' turn. Continues to stay where he is. He, most of the Eladrin at this point have poofed out of there. Travancore. Okay. Hunter's Mark has moved from the dead swarm to the living swarm. And it's going to be a regular arrow in the direction that has the most beetles and the least Carlton. Okay. Uh, if you are going to try to avoid Carlton since they have enveloped his swarm, it will be at disadvantage. Huh. Well, good thing I got a big bonus to this arrow. Just a plain Do Jane. Do it. No Don't worry about me. Zzz, but ow. I'll say Zzz. if you hit with the disadvantage, uh, you don't hit Carlton. Well, I hit. Well, low score is 20. Well, I don't know for sure. Low score. Low, low roll is 24. Yeah, you definitely hit. Okay. I like how your high score was 31. <laughs> well, this bow is amazing. I'm going to have to have a chit chat with uh, with Isolgal at some point. <laughs> All right, go ahead and roll damage. All right. So it's going to do 11. Then you got to add the Hunter's Mark. It's going to be another four. So okay, so the 11 total. is piercing. Yep. Uh, what's the Hunter's Mark damage? That is a mighty good question. Should have written I, it down. It's the same damage as whatever's the weapon is. That's I, yeah. I think you're right, but I'd like to double check because that could spells. be friggin' important Just right give now. Give me a second. I'll look it up on D and D Beyond, which I love. Handy dandy D and D Beyond, you mean? Uh, super fantastic. I mean, super all of a sudden, handy. I don't have to frantically type into my keyboard. I know, right? So, like, as you look that up, it's weird how new school and old school I have become. Like, I don't use my books anymore. I love using D&D Beyond and Roll20 and, like, everything on the computer. And I'm totally happy with being theater of the mind and all the way. Except I miss rolling physical dice and I still take notes out of an actual... I, I have two um, leather books that were given to me that are wonderful. And so, like, I have all this new school stuff that I'm super happy to go totally digital, but I, I still want my paper. But pap you can't shake the notebooks. I can't shake yeah. the notebooks and the pencil, and I, I miss the real dice. That little distraction technique done. Travancore. So it doesn't actually specify. It's so weird. I'll actually read it out for anyone who doesn't know what Hunter's Mark does. You choose a creature you can see within range and mystically mark it as your quarry. Until the spell ends, you deal an extra 1 die 6 damage to the target whenever you hit it with a weapon attack. And you have advantage on any wisdom, perception, or wisdom survival check you have you make to find it. If the target drops to, to 0 hit points before the spell ends, you can use a bonus action on a subsequent turn of yours to mark a new creature. So, doesn't say. So Jonathan is right. It does the same damage as whatever you used. So ah, so yeah, you once again shish kebab a whole bunch of beetles, and this swarm looks like there's not much left to it, but it is still there. Travancore, is there anything else you'd like to do? No, I'm done. All right, Bernie, it's back to you. Uh, Bernie's gonna bring her spiritual weapon. She's gonna do her bonus action first. Okay. We can do that, right? Yeah, you can do them in any order you'd like. Bonus action first. She's going to roll. Does a 14 hit? Yes, 14 does hit. Go ahead and roll damage. All right. I'll say this. Hey, Bernie, do you do more than one point of damage? Well, we'll find out, won't we? <laughs> You're going to roll at least oh, a one. Sorry. That's a nine. Uh, Yeah. Bernie, describe in gory detail the death of this swarm. The After the swarm has kind of... My swarm can't move, but their swarm can. Uh, so after escaping the bees, Bernie brings around her spiritual fly swatter, and it comes... It's a big spiritual fly swatter, and it comes smacking down and it squishes all of them in a final 
and then Bernie lets go of her concentration spell and the bees just fly like they just kind of like fly off and it's really weird like how very quickly it's like you're like wait weren't, weren't, weren't there tons of bees here i wipe off all the beetle goop off of my face that just got <laughs> smacked into it and like do the little flick of my hand like <sighs> carlton it's interesting this fly sweater that came down it seemed to have like a carlton shaped hole in it it was amazing <laughs> like it just perfectly avoided you Yeah, you guys destroy these beetles, and there's a moment after all of these beetles are left scattered over the cobblestones that it's quiet, and then you hear a voice from one of the buildings next to you that says, Oh, that was very impressive! Oh, this is great! Yay! And an Eladrin comes running out. A woman with dark brown braided hair. She's wearing a flowing robe. She's picked up, uh, or she's pulling out gloves, which seems odd, like thick leather gloves that she's putting on. She's like, oh, that was, that was magnificent. Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, this will be, uh, uh, do, do you have a little bit of time? Would you like to, uh, I'll, I'll pay you if you can help me. I need to gather up as many of these as possible before the uh, vermin come out and try to eat these. I need, I need these for my study. And she starts, she pulls out a little bag and she starts picking up dead beetles off the ground and shoving them into a bag. Thinking he he can hit her up for advi- information about uh, Ekthiarn at some point. Yeah, actually, Travagor immediately starts helping her. Yeah, Jonathan the Muscular casts Mage Hand and starts scooping them up. The wonderful, wonderful. She sees you helping and she opens up. She's got this burlap sack. She kind of sets it down in the middle and she just starts grabbing carapaces all over the place and scooping them into the bag. Um, and she's like, this is, oh, I haven't seen these in forever. They haven't come from the Underdark in such a long time. Ugh, but Oh, this is magnificent, magnificent. Who knows what I'll be able to, to discover from these. Oh, this is great. You guys and, have an Underdark here? Well, yes. Of, of Oh. Not of course. You're obviously not from around here, are you? Oh, yes. No. She holds out her hand to shake your hand. She says, my name is uh, Megan. Megan Folderan. It is very, oh, the covered in beetle guts. Hold on. And she pulls off one of the gloves and then holds out her hand again to shake it. She oh, says, yeah. And Jonathan gives her a hearty shake because his hands are clean, too, because his spectral hand is scooping up beetle guts. <laughs> and she'll go around Carlton. She'll I'll, shake her, I'll shake her goopy hand with my goopy hand. Like, so, like, she's got one clean hand, one dirty, so my dirty hand goes to her dirty hand. So it's like the left-handed shake. So you, like, do this? You you cross arms? Yeah. She goes to hold out her clean hand that she's pulled the glove off, sees what she's doing, and goes, oh, okay, and she holds out her, her goopy hand. Yeah, the, the, yeah. the left shake that's just, like, slightly awkward because nobody shakes left. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Travancore shall come up to you. Oh, yeah. Megan, nice to meet you. Travancore of Perconum. Of where? Oh, well, not from here. That's all that matters. Yeah. Oh, yes, and hello, and she comes up to Bernie. Hi, I'm Bernice. Very nice to meet you. Great. And she puts her glove back on. She says, give me give me a moment. I, I, there will be uh, all kinds of vermin that will try to come out and eat these. And she's like hurrying to now scoop up as many as possible. And you guys are going to help her? Yeah. And you have like, it'll take a minute or two. It looks like she's not discriminating against like the quality of the carapace. It seems like she's only interested in the actual carapaces, not in any of the guts. But she, if it's a leg, she takes it. She wants every little scrap she can find. Um, Ooh. does this kind of thing happen often? 
Only in the last ten day or so since the, the rift opened up. Uh, it's been kind of disappointing that way. I really wish that the City Watch would do more about it. But in this case, I'm kind of happy. And she's holding up a beetle carapace and then throws it back into the bag and keeps picking up. Um, the rift? I'm sorry, we are literally new. Yes, I could imagine. You're very... None of you are... No, 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 you wouldn't be. Uh, yeah, you know what? Come inside, come inside. And she picks up the bag and she walks you like a few doors down to a... To a place that is, I've lost on my sheets. Um, well, while you're looking that up, hey, Seekin, do you think your uh, granddad probably summoned you because of this rift thing? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. We'll ask him. Was I'll... it within the last 10 days? Uh, well, it would have been yesterday, so yeah. Oh, he's ju- he just summoned you. You immediately were like, oh, I gotta go do this. Yeah, yeah, no, I was, I was always, always told by, by my, by my parents that when, when grandpa says come, you, you just go as quickly as possible. Now he'll understand if it's not like immediate, immediate, but like you should go as quick as, quick as you can. Like he's, he's pretty powerful and you don't want to make him angry and like, you know, you, and as you're walking inside of this building, um, Megan is leading you towards a, the bottom floor of one of these tall, buildings and you can see there's a sign out front that says health and harm and it actually is written in common which you find interesting um and she leads you on into this building holding this giant goopy sack of of bug guts and on the inside is a a small but very clean and very tidy potion shop it seems just everything laid out in nice little tiny vials and she hears you guys talking and she says uh really and she looks at Seekin and says, you're looking for him? Well, that's auspicious. Oh, that's going to be difficult. Anyway, come inside. Let me let me uh, deposit this. And uh, I can certainly, for, for your help here, I can certainly answer any questions that you have. I don't know what I'll be able to help you with, but I can certainly see what I can do. But hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. And she goes back behind the counter and kind of into an antechamber. You hear her muttering under her breath to herself and put her stuff down. And Seekin looks at you and says, well, that was weird. All of this has been yeah, weird. Jonathan the Magic Muscular seeks context. Con- okay, what kind of context do you need? No, not from you. <laughs> from the one who actually knows something. Okay. Yeah. That's we good. We figure she's local. She'll know the neighborhood. She'll probably be able to... F- she recognized your your uh, your grandfather's name, at least. That's a good sign. That is a very good sign. First one. I think he's kind of famous. I'm kind of, you don't know who Ekthiarn is? I was told he was like a god or something. Wait, what? What? And at this point, Megan comes walking back out. She's pulled off her gloves and you see her kind of wiping her hands and making sure she doesn't have any bug guts on her. She's like, well, so I'm assuming you were probably, you probably headed to the old battery, probably over to, to Vaz's place. Well, what's the name of that? Oh, the way stop. That's probably where you were told to go, I would imagine. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, the old battery. Yeah. But, but we're but actually w- w- looking one for... One second. Go ahead. Uh, and I turned to Seekin. Did you say your grandfather's a god? Uh, Yeah, it was kind of... Because he's like thousands and thousands of years old, and my family was like... Yeah, something about like my great 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 grandfather was was him. And then, like, he fell in love with someone. I guess was my great 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 grandmother. And or it wasn't him. It was like I don't know. Like they fell in love, and and then they came. Like the kids came to the material plane. 
And then it's been like part of my family ever since then. We go, we go and we visit uh, Grandpa Ekthiarn and we see him and he's, he's, he gives us our blessing. No, okay. uh, so note guys. to self in the group chat, seek more information from potential clients. Uh, sadly, in the group, chat. group chat is long gone. All right. Well, it's been case, more than an hour. If, if Ekion asks us if we are gods... We say yes. No, um, so, no, 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 we no we're not going to do that. No, uh, we don't do that. They might, might expect stuff from us. Okay. Yeah. So, Jonathan the Match Muscular would like to turn the conversation away from Seekin, who knows nothing, to Megan, who seems to have a pretty good working knowledge of what's actually going on, and sa- said, well, we weren't really told to go anywhere we heard about the old battery it's the first time hearing about the waste stop we really just need to get to ectheon's grove so if you know where that is we can just go straight there well i don't know where that is i know that it's very close i know that he's got a grove uh within a, like a day's travel of the city but i i've never gone there myself i've never really seen it myself but i do know that it's close the only reason i mentioned the old batteries that's usually where and he kind of gives you all a look and he's and she says a, a non- Aladrin stay. Uh, ah. It's it. You could definitely stay anywhere here in the city. No one is going to turn you away. But I think the the prevailing idea is you're going to feel more comfortable in the old battery. There will be non-Aladrin there, and I do know Vaz. He is a very a, a very accommodating individual for for someone who lives here who's not an Aladrin. He's got a surprisingly uh, sunny disposition for one who is not from here. But yes, you should. Definitely go there. This Vaz, just real quick. What kind of non-Aladrin is he? Is he like my friend here or me or... Oh, no. He's a, a dragonborn. Have you ever met one of those? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah Coco's uh-huh. from a dragonborn. Yeah. He did. He's, a, no, he's a, a dragonborn. I don't know exactly why he ended up here, but most non-Aladrin end up in the old battery. That's just where they hang out because, you know. And she looks a little uncomfortable. Yeah, I can. I you don't really have to. We kind of we felt it. Yeah, yeah. You're not very good at that. Well, you're cool, but well, I, I I do a lot of business with any anyone who will come on by, and when you're as a specialized of a business as I am, then you can't. In fairness, you cannot afford to be as hoity as some of the other Aladrin around here. So, uh, but in fairness, you are the first non-Aladrin that I've seen in probably uh, 78, 79 years. It's been a very long time. Not many people come here. How did you even get here? And Seekin you know. just, he doesn't say anything. He Bark. just holds out this, the, the tube. <laughs> and she looks at it and she goes, huh, uh, plane shifting. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, so you're here to go see this, the, 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 ex, this X, the, X, X, who? X the yarn? X the yarn. Yeah, X the yarn. Yeah, I'd, I'd heard he had a grove, but yeah. I don't usually associate much with um, some of the, the, the Sealy court. Uh, they can be, they can be unstable in a lot of ways. You need to be very careful of the the, the court. Uh, um, being a gnome, Bernie grew up on fairy tales. Okay. Would you like to roll a religion check? I mean, Julia knows quite a bit about, like, the fairy tales surrounding the... Because she would. Uh, no one's surprised. Yeah, let's roll a religion check. I get to... I, yeah. Since since gods have been mentioned in the Seelie court. And we are in the plane of fairy. You are in the plane of fairy. That's an 11. Okay. 
you have not heard of Ecthiarn, but that, I mean, you know, especially when it comes to fey creatures and fey gods, especially elven gods, there are, there's a pantheon out there that are well beyond your understanding. So um, just because you don't know they their name doesn't mean they don't exist. I like to think that, like, Bernie would apply what folklore she knew, right? Like, okay. I would go with what, like, maybe it's not correct, and you, I think you as a DM could decide, but I feel like in this situation, she doesn't know, like, gods, but she knows that, like, she's, like, finally put a lot of things together, and she's like, we should not eat anything here. Seekin! Yeah? yeah. Seekin, did you, did you... Did you bring any salt? Uh, no. Um, and I'd like at this point all of you to roll intelligence checks to see what what you actually know about the Fey. Bernie, being the only uh, cleric amongst the group, could get the religion check for Ecthiarn, but at, at this point, you know you're in the Feywild. Uh, you would all have various informations from various things. Uh, Jonathan, uh, eleven. Uh, Carlton, nineteen. Travancore, fifteen. Okay. Jonathan, you would know from your book studies uh, the basics of the Feywild. This is another plane of existence. It's where most of the Fey come from. You're vaguely familiar on a intellectual bookish level about the Seelie and Unseelie courts. That basically the Seelie courts are um, the beautiful Eladrin, the beautiful Fey, the beautiful gods who ro- rule over the Fey. And the Unseelie tend to be the more chaotic, the more... They're not necessarily good and evil. They are more orderly and disorderly. They're more beautiful and ugly. But that's all you really know. Carlton, uh, with your connection through your mom being a druid, Ecthiarn doesn't sound familiar, but the fact that he has a grove interests you. That means this is probably some kind of nature god, but you don't recognize the name. Travancore, what'd you roll again? 15. With your ancestry being Elvin, and then maybe in your very far off history, Eladrin, the Feywild is a dangerous, beautiful place. You know that there are dangers here to staying too long, and dangers to remembering things when you leave. Uh, But you haven't heard anything about eating anything. Bernie, what'd you roll again? 16. Your studies into this kind of folklore, as well as your religious studies, which would include some other gods in the in the elven and fey pantheon, uh, you think the eating things in the Feywild might be a myth, but the dangers of losing your memories might be real. But you don't think it has to do with eating or sleeping there. You think it's it's a time thing. The longer you stay here, the more likely you are to forget things. Meanwhile, Megan looks at all of you and says, yes, I would highly recommend uh, the sun is going down. You're going to want to not go go looking for this grove in the middle of the night. The the, the streets are not safe anymore. What with the rift, the the it's never safe out in the woods, even when the Seelie Court is nearby. It's never a good idea to be out there. So go see Vaz. Tell him I said hi. I talk to him every now and then, but uh, definitely uh, get yourself a good night's sleep. Go go find out specifically which way you're going. Um, You are very 
obvious and you're going to want to be as prepared as possible. I'm kind of surprised that you didn't know any of this coming on in here. So are we. And C can speak up at this point and says, well, they didn't ask anything. They just said, okay, let's go. <laughs> Usually that's something that we... <laughs> it's Jonathan the Magic Muscular is like, like closing his eyes and rubbing his temples. Rubbing He's his like, temples. My head. Oh, God. My head. Oh. Well, thank you. Um, enjoy the Beatles. Absolutely. I'm excited to see what I can make out of them. Was it, uh, While you were here, I was I was thinking about closing up for the evening and going to sleep. Was there any... Uh, I have some potions, but most of what I have here are poisons. I kind of specialize and, and very exotic. What do you have? Yeah, do you have anything, uh, any uncommon healing potions? Or, and Jonathan the Man Muscular is going to check his pockets to see if he needs some common ones, too. Oh, uh, yes, if you're looking for just regular old healing potions, nothing special. Yes, I've got I've got the the regular kind and the the kind the the slightly greater ones at at my disposal. And she goes over to a rack and pulls them out. She says, "Uh, I don't have too many. We don't get much coal for it. Uh most of the Aladrin here are, are hearty enough that they don't necessarily need it. But uh, Vaz buys some of my stock. I've got uh, three of the regulars and uh two of the greaters if you are interested. The the regulars are running uh, 110 gold. The great- are running 180. I start nudging Carlton, who's presumably got the money. Carlton. Carlton. What? 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 Pay the lady for two. Pay. Count out uh, 360 gold, and we'll be on our way. Okay. So what would you like? One. Uh, the two graders, two, please. Two graders. Yes. Three. Yeah, you go. And she pulls out two small four, little vials as he starts to count. Five, five, count them over. Five. Six. What? Was there oh, any? Lord. Wait, I, I have a bad idea. I, have, I put it back in the bag of holding. I said, how much was it? 360. Uh, they're 180 each. 360 gold. Can I reach in? Do I get 360 gold out? Yeah, that works. <laughs> nice. Sweet. <laughs> Why not? Carlton. Carlton does quick math. Nice. She takes that and hands you over the two vials. So they are two potions of greater healing. So that's 44 plus four. Was there anything else you wanted? I mean, I've got. What I- other non-healing potions do you have? Oh, I don't want to drink your poisons. Well, no, I would not recommend it. Most of them are deadly. Of course, they're, they're poisons. But I've got some exciting poisons. I mean, we just got a, a fresh batch in of pale serpent piss. If you're looking to fool someone, if there's, uh, if you're trying to kill this Ekthion, I do have a potion of poison available if you'd like to uh, see. And, I... and Seekin at that point is like, no, no, don't kill Grandpa. No, you know, no, no. We're not going to kill Cora Grandpa. wants to insight whether out-of-towners buying poison here would, would reflect favorably or get out or, like, affect their standing any worse than they are now. Well, be an, if you're doing an insight on her, that'd just be what she thinks. If you'd like to just know, in general, if outsiders buying po- poisons, that would be just a straight intelligence check. I want to insight her, then, because okay. I, I got more actionable intel. Well, not with a seven, but... She seems super enthusiastic and doesn't seem to be at all worried about you buying poison- poisons. I Do we really need poison? I don't know, do you? This is a dangerous place, dangerous times. I know you're here to meet his grandfather, but who knows what else you might encounter. Oh, well, I mean, that's true. What about, what about memory? Do you have anything from... Um, nothing that would help with memory. I mean, the pale serpent piss leaves you with 
horrible hallucinations that would leave you uh, memories you might not enjoy. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend that for 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 yourself. Was there a specific memory you were trying to to have happen? I mean, you can do certain things with the pale serpent piss to cause certain monsters, depending on the psyche of the victim. Yeah, n- n- that is incredibly interesting. Uh, but isn't it though? <laughs> and she grins at you. And, and honestly, I could make a list, but I think we should go find Vaz because yeah. I think our time here is limited. Very fast. Yep. Yes. But before we close up. What potions do you have other than healing and not poison? Ah, well, and she seems bored as you say this, but she kind of glances over the shelves and you do notice that a fair number of the things on the shelves seem to be labeled with uh, little signs that say, actually, no, you wouldn't know what they read because they all say it in in Elvish. So you see that there's signs everywhere. Which is why I'm asking because I can't read for shit in this world. I was going to read on, Travin, on, on on Carlton's behalf if you if you ask me what that says what that says what that says. The eighty five percent of the signs say "Don't touch, don't okay. touch, don't touch, Got it. don't touch." Uh, one or two say "Don't look too long," and one of them curio- curiously says "Touch, but don't think about." And <laughs> but now I'm thinking about it. But you don't know because actually no, it depends. Travancore, would you tell him "Touch, but don't think about it"? I told her there's nothing interesting there. Okay. She scans the room and she's like, oh, I do have this one. It's a, uh, you drink it and then you can breathe fire. It's fun, but not very practical. I think we're good. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks, Megan. Perhaps we'll see you on our way out. Absolutely. I've, uh, listen. Do I notice any with toenails in them? Roll an investigation check. Meanwhile, Travancore forgets his great uncle's name. What'd you roll? I can't read these signs for shit. <laughs> What'd you roll? <laughs> a two with a natural one. <laughs> well, I mean, in fairness, you're not looking at the signs. You're looking to find a toenail. All of them seem to be liquid. Some of them thicker than others, but you don't see anything like floating in the liquid. So no. Megan says, the excellent. Well, I was very happy to help and uh, certainly come on by until Vaz. I said hi. And oh, and she leads you to the door and she says, OK, uh, go down here and go that way and then go this way. And she kind of gives you some, some more specific directions. She said, well, you're looking for uh, the way stop. It'll be very obvious. It's in the old battery. It'll be the only place uh, with windows on the first floor because, you know, why would we need windows? So uh, just go down that way and it'll, in five minutes, it'll be okay. 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 And you guys are going to step back out into the city? Yeah. Step yeah. out into the city. Yeah. You step out into the city. She says, all right, goodbye. Have a good evening and closes the door behind you. And then you have this moment where you're, Back out in the city of Mithrendian on the the strange cobbled streets with trees and these giant buildings in a strange land on a on a strange plane of existence. And we'll stop there. And next time, when we come back, you will be headed to the old battery to see Vaz at the way stop. But let me give you some experience. Why would you buy poison if you have a jar that makes your stuff for free? That's why I didn't buy it. <laughs> In fairness, uh, and Travancore, you would know this. You would all kind of know this from some of the poisons that you saw around. But Travancore, you'd especially know this, being able to read some of the, the other signs. The poison that the jug can make is a very basic poison. Basically, oh. it's it's a very low-level poison. The stuff that she was offering, like, you noticed some of them were upwards of two, 3,000 gold pieces. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, nothing in your jug is going to kill somebody. Everything in that room was going to kill people. Oh, my God. Okay. I'm sorry. I couldn't help it. You guys didn't ask Seekin really any questions. And so when he when he plane plane shifted you, I love I love that moment. That um, moment. Yeah, made we, me super we happy. that was assumptions were made. We and we are wiser I'm going sorry. forward. Uh, but it was beautiful. The look on your faces. I am not a sneaky DM by any means, but in that moment, the the shocked oh shit look on your faces brought me joy. <laughs> For that and killing a bunch of uh, prismatic beetle swarms, I will give you a total of 5,700 uh, experience to split between the four of you. And next time, when we come back, you will be headed through the city to the way stop to see about a dragonborn and an inn. Well, I said I was tired of the Underdark. This is definitely not the Underdark. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit Patreon.com slash DungeonDrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons, and extend a special thanks to our Artifact and Wondrous Year patrons. Thank you Megan, Lori, aka Calamity Jane, That Indian Dude, Michael Lapointe, aka Vazarus, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.